This is The Crucible. The JRTC Experience. This is, if I would have only known, a candid conversation with leaders. In this series, we discuss brigade combat team warfighting skills and lessons learned in a decisive action training environment for large-scale combat operations at JRTC. Hi, I'm uh, Colonel Matt Hardman, the Commander of Operations Group here at the Joint Readiness Training Center, and I'm I'm a little bit humbled right now and, and blushing a little bit. Uh, <laughs> As a former uh, Two Panther alum, I got the opportunity to uh, serve with Panther 6. I can't believe I'm in the same room with Panther 6 uh, from the 82nd Airborne Division, 3rd Brigade. And uh, Colonel Taylor's here with us today, Panther 6 in the flesh. And so just introduce yourself and tell us uh, where you're from and, uh, and your background. Sure, sure. So thanks for having me. Um, thanks for being here. This is a tremendous honor being down here at GRTC with you, Matt. So this is uh, this is great. So again, I'm uh, Ricky Taylor. I'm from uh, originally from Aurora, Illinois. Um, and I graduated from McKendree University. And um, I started my career in the mighty 82nd Airborne Division in uh, 254. So I was a white devil uh, from 01 to 03. So my first day in the, uh, in the 82nd Airborne Division was 6 September 2001. And uh, we did a uh, that night, so actually on the 7th, my first jump in division, did a brigade mass tag into uh, Normandy and Sicily, DZ. Um, had a, had a uh, march 10, do a foot march 10 miles and then qualify expert because we started EIB on Monday. So <laughs> welcome to the division, right? Welcome uh, to the division. So, yes, so I started off in the 82nd and then bounced uh, to the Ranger Regiment for about seven years, stayed in the Ranger Regiment, um, commanded the 1st Infantry Division, um, 4th Brigade um, during uh, the surge. And then went out to Hawaii for field grade time, did some aid time out in the First Army. And then um, again with Sajidif, uh, with uh, Major General Swindell and uh, Lieutenant General Mike Tucker. And then um, commanded Red Devils in First Brigade uh, from 17 to 19, then commanded uh, 1st Battalion, 1st SFAB for a year. And then went on to be the DCO to War College, and then got selected to command the Mighty Panther Brigade. Uh, so I've been in the seat for today's 8 May, so almost a year. Um, it's, been a, it's been pretty fun. Been a great, great, great experience and uh, opportunity. And so we showed up at the 82nd about the same time. Um, I, I signed in as a captain. Some of us have been moving faster and doing better than others. Um, and uh, and then we found out that we also did uh, Afghanistan deployment. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because we did the NTC rotation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was the uh, the op four company in BCO. Uh, back in <laughs> October of 2001, Second Lieutenant Taylor. Um, I'll tell you what, though, that, that experience, that deployment, and then coming back, we did another JRTC rotation as a rifle platoon leader, and then my, my third CTC rotation, all as a lieutenant, my yeah. third, before we went to Afghanistan in 02, um, as an SNT PL, eye opening. Yeah. The experiences in that, during that deployment to JR, down here to JRTC as an SNT platoon leader, you know. Moving ammunition and, and everything on throughout the battlefield and just you know that's and I guess OC that rotation <laughs> that's at right. now I didn't get I figured it out I didn't guess I guess OC teed the S and TPL uh, for the uh, for the Blue Devils really yeah 
Um, and then, you know, That's Mikey, amazing. Wayne Parade. Wayne Parade. Yes, yes, he was. So, yeah, awesome. And, uh, you know, th this is one of the cool things about being at JRTC is you, you get to see people uh, that you've served with your whole career. Mm -hmm. People that you meet people that you've heard by name but have never met in person. You realize you have this, like, deep history together. Right. So you and I have, uh, obviously, a ton of love uh, for the 2nd Airborne Absolutely. Division and for the Panther Brigade. And so appreciate you joining us. And so we talked a little bit before this started, and he's, he, you know, Colonel Taylor has his computer uh, out, and normally we wouldn't allow that. The OCTs wouldn't allow the computer out here. But after his, uh, his rotation, arduous, he went and got a couple hours of sleep and then um, got up and started writing really kind of his lessons learned. And so you've, you know, you did your, uh, your wander in the swamp and have come back uh, and been writing a manifesto. Yeah. So, you know, talk to me about like sort of as you've been unpacking the rotation, you know, what you've learned and, and what sticks out to you. I tell you what, so to, to your point, so I did, we got back in and was it yesterday? Everything's blending together, right? So um, I didn't want to lose anything. So I was taking copious notes from you and from General Gardner, General Leneve and so forth. And just, and also the great OCs, your team that you have down here. So I've got about 20 pages of notes in here. So what I did was I went back through and I highlighted, you know, what were the main things that, that stood out that really impacted me? And so the, uh, and, and so this paper ended up, it's a little over 2,000 words and there's five areas um, that, that I'm gonna share with you. And, and this is from the VCT commander perspective. So if this is a new brigade commander coming to position or if a new field grade's coming to the brigade level, the things that I would want them uh, to think about um, so number one is being humble and being coachable. And I'll, I'll unpack all these as, as we go on, but being humble and being coachable uh, is number one. Number two, the, this is the importance of the synchronization of fires and maneuver. It, it's, it, that is so important in large-scale combat operations, and it's in understanding how the art and science of that really works. And you and I had some great conversations while in the box and then and afterwards, and then um, battlefield circulation. I didn't understand the importance of battlefield. I mean, you, again, we talked about this during LTP, you know, back in February. I talked to All American Seven, you know, Colonel Sazlav about it, and um, and so forth. But just doing that, it, it just it's eye opening to get the perspective from the subordinate battalions and subordinate company batteries and troops. And then number four, the commander's role in the planning process. Obviously, he, drive, he or she drives the planning process, but his actual, his or her actual role, what they're doing as far as staying out in front of the brigade. You don't have time to get in co-ops. I'll unpack that here more uh, in a few minutes. And then, and then, um, and then lastly, uh, defining risk versus opportunity and then communicating that to the division. Um, that's, our, that, that's our responsibility at the uh, BCT level. So those are, the, those are my five biggest lessons learned uh, that, I, that I got from uh, the rotation. And, and I, I'm excited to, to get this thing on the street and get some feedback from you know, people like you and, and, yeah. our, and our peers and whatnot. Well, I, I um, you know, the humility part is, I think, so important. So lots of people say, you know, hey, we want to come here, we want to learn. You hear this sort of at Echelon. And, and I think, you know, people are genuine. They do want to learn. You know. Uh, the thing I really appreciated in, in y'all's rotation and about the Panther Brigade is you want to win, like really, really bad. <laughs> and, gotcha. And, uh, 
know, I'm, uh, you know, you, I know you were a college athlete and it, you can see it and, and clearly like your time in the 82nd, your time in the Rangers. I mean, there is an, there is a, a good, quiet intensity about you. Um, and I don't want to make you blush. Uh, but, but one of the things is I talked with those ATs that we saw that was, was, is that you legitimately wanted to learn, even at some relatively micro things, because you, you wanted to get better, like not, not at the end of the world, but like now, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. to win. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, that takes humility. I mean, there's a confidence to be truly humble. You have to have a degree of confidence of, of self-security um, to be able to do that. And, um, you know, I you know, was talking uh, with 1P9. It permeated the formation. He talked about it. He said, hey, sir, you know, this starts with uh, Panther 6 is this way. He's been saying it, and he's been walking it. Uh, so, so it translates into to do. And you know, I think if you you know if you want to win in combat, you're going to learn faster than your enemy. If you're going to learn faster than your enemy, you're going to be honest with yourself right. about where you know where it's not good enough or where it can be better. And I thought your team did that incredibly well. And, and the you know the real proof is you know we didn't do a single AR where we weren't talking about how we got better. Mm -hmm. along the way and then at live fire you know this issue you know the synchronization of fires with maneuver when well, we we crushed it yeah um what about synchronization of fires and maneuver what what did you what did you see from maybe company commanders um that uh, that opened your eyes or, or challenged you to think about some of that differently a few things so one and this is no fault yeah, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at company commanders because I was the same way when right, I was a company commander. Right, like, uh, and by the way, in the AR, we talked about how I didn't get a single round of artillery in the fights at the time commander. So, yeah, right. the company commanders are okay. Right. But but for people like us, there's things that we we come away from these experiences know, knowing that we have to teach more. Right. And and that's that's part of it is the the teaching aspect of it. They don't know. They don't know if they don't know. They're good people. They want to win. They want to be successful. Right. And so, and it's going back to humility. It's like, okay, you've never done this. You know, you've spent, you deployed a couple times, maybe, um, and that's kind of going away now as well. So here's how to be successful in large scale combat operations. Had a great conversation last night with uh, a company commander in 1P. He said, sir, because I asked, I asked five commanders, um, like, when you come back to me, this was yesterday, when you come back to me on, on yesterday at 1830 and tell me the five things that you learned, or one thing that you learned. They came in, this rifle company commander says to me, he's like, I, I realize how important it is to uh, suppress with my mortars. To, you know, I, I shot 100 mortar rounds like that, and we, we killed the enemy, and it was, it was successful. So I'm like, great. So now let's take that up a couple levels. You know, you're shooting 160 rounds. I'm going to shoot 100 155 rounds at the enemy to set, to set the conditions for you to be successful. So whether it's with smoke or it's with HE, and you're not going to bypass that target. And that's one of the great conversations that we had, you know, at the um, out at the, for the pursuit. It's you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice to bypass. Oh, I'm not going to shoot that target. No, you're going to shoot it because that's going to set conditions for you to assault the objective, whether it's with smoke and then HE, you know, doing the Sosa, that big S and the big O. Um, 
but they got it. And, yeah. and, and, and it was great. It was it was just like, you know, I, I was I was happy. I was I was uh, you know I was thrilled that you know all right they're 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 getting it. Um, they understand the importance of this fire, and then it's the, and then the detail behind the fire's tech rehearsal. We did it the night before the the the, the live fire, the final pursuit mission. Their tech rehearsal was upwards of four hours, but it paid off though. That yeah. that that detail in, in our rehearsal, you know, paid off in the, in the execution, you know, not missing one target, you know, not skipping one target rather, yeah. um, which was great. Um, so I was, I was pretty thrilled with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the fires in sync, where we, where we started and where we're at right now. I think the understanding across the team about the science that goes in to making this work at the brigade level and above to consistently deliver timely and accurate fires, mm -hmm. that, that it was tremendous. And you know, four-hour tech rehearsal, it'll get faster mm -hmm. the more we do it, right. and the better we get at it. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's good to hear, and it's good. It's good to you know what we got to teach company commanders is spend other people's ammo first. That's right. right. That's right. And that's a great point. And, and and using divisions, high mars, and other assets that you know Cannonball has for us to say. Or, or, or 21st Airborne yeah. setting conditions for us. Like, hey, we destroyed, you know, the Prima, the 1L, you know, all this stuff. You know, the division's killing the stuff for us. Great. All right, they're shooting their rounds for us. So now, you know, ideally we walk on to the objective. There's nothing but smoke, you know, there's burning hulks. That's it. Exactly what we want, right? You know, the division does its job. The brigade does its job. The battalion does its job. And, you know, the company commander, like, okay, hey, we're going to suppress one more time, and we're not you know, we're not repeating LaFair Bridge. Right. 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 You know, we're not uh, great, you know, great victory, but at, at a cost that, that we're not willing to accept mm -hmm. uh, going forward. Um, all right. So battlefield circulation, that was your mm. third one. Yes. Uh, talk to me, you know, what, what um, you know, what really clicked for you? you? You committed to it early. This is something mm -hmm. we talked about in LTP. You came in and you committed, and, and not just you, because I think your battalion commanders role modeled what, or followed your role model and did the same thing down. What, sure. How, how did you use your battlefield circulation? So there's eight questions that a, a, a friend of mine uh, said, hey, you should probably write this down. And, and, he, and he said, hey, and I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and list them real quick. You know, combat power, what, so eight questions. What's your combat power? And then your slant for the next 12 slash 24. What do you know about the enemy? Uh, friendly composition disposition enemy composition disposition, concerns and risks that you have at, the, at your level, any recommendations, and I added logistics concerns, and then planning horizons. And on average, I, I, I would say we spent about, we being the tax, spent about four hours a day. The max we spent was five hours doing battlefield circulation. And, and the beauty of that is looking at that company commander, that battalion commander, troop commander, battery commander, in the eye and saying to him, saying to her, hey, do you understand my intent? And he or she says, you know, no. Or they, they say something that's, you know, off in the you know, left field. Okay, hey, Roger, here's what I want you to do. And this is, this is why this is important. And they're like, ah. And they see the light bulbs, you know, start to turn on. And it's great. And still in that confidence, you know, here's my intent. You know, clearly, here's my intent. This is what I want you to do. And looking at the formation, we had a great conversation with 1P6 during our battlefield circulation. We had a map and we're all on the ground, and we're just, you know, hey, look, nope, I want you to be, go here, here, here. Same thing with Fury down in the south uh, by Low Water 5. And, you know, 
hey, the you know, and I, and I said, hey, based off of what I'm seeing, based off of what you're telling me, I think the enemy's gonna come up here around low water 70, and they're gonna skirt this this creek, and they did. And it was, and it was, hey, let's put some, you know, primary, alternate, and supplemental fighting positions in depth, the defense in depth, and then let's layer, let's put some graphic control measures on here, and let's layer this with targets, not not too many, because you know, we, we, it's 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 not uh, the quantity, it's quality, right? But let's layer this. But having that conversation, and then having all my tech, you know, my tech with me, so they're taking copious notes. And they go back and they put it on the ATAC and they send it back to, to the brigade headquarters. Um, and now, here, here's where I think what's even, even more important, or equally as important, I'll say, is once we get back from that battlefield circulation, it's not that the attack just, you know, oh, all right, I'm going to go off to my, my little hole, my, my warfighting function in the TAC here in the, in, the, in, the, in the main command post, but it's, okay, two minute drill. Which usually lasts a little bit longer than two minutes, but that's okay, right? But hey, here's what I here's what I have: fires, in, intel, okay, movement maneuver, so forth, and then I'll wrap it up. I'm like, hey, this is how we this is how I'm seeing the fight based off we're getting what we're getting from the battalions, and so now that creates a shared understanding across the formation. So now, you know, these great paratroopers in the in the in the main command post, you know, you know, getting after it, but now they can see what the companies of action troops are facing out and, and throughout Arnland. You know, th there's a tendency for staffs and commanders to do this mm -hmm. in understanding. And so that those touch points, you know, battalion commanders with company commanders, um, you know, you with battalion commanders and company commanders and, and then pulling your staff in helps to pull that back together. And then what I appreciated that y'all did uh, and something we talked about in the AR, you know, a couple of battalions as a TTP, is that that got fed back to the main command post even while we were continuing our circulation, as you described right. on the ATAC. I, I think, you know, there's a, um, I worked on this project about uh, writing an operational history of the Iraq war and I interviewed uh, a division commander and, you know, he, he talked about um, his role and, you know, part of this too, is the presence component of this. Mm. And so, you know, we're doing this under miles here and now, mm -hmm. but when it's real casualties, people we know and love, right. that battlefield circulation in a very structured way, uh, I think helps uh, tether people to the mission, right. um, which I think is really important. And I think, you know, because we can imagine going out to, to Fury, who had really tough fighting uh, in the South. And if, the, if, if we're having real casualties, um, you know, your presence um, and your reaffirming of the mission, but then this rigor of how we do the battlefield circulation, if you've done it in training and now you're doing it in combat, mm -hmm. it helps people stay grounded and, okay, we have a thing, we have a mission to do here. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's maybe not uh, obvious as we do this, but uh, you know the the this structure in the battlefield circulation you know prevents us from burning thirty minutes that you don't have talking about you know how little Johnny and little Sally are doing it you know softball right right and we focus on the things that only we can focus on sure there, there's there's yeah. two points on that I'd like to just hone in on so as a company commander. 
I, saw, I remember vividly. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away years ago, but Major General Jeff Bannister, at the time was Colonel yeah. Jeff Bannister, yeah. commanding. Former Fortmer Mountain 6 commanded the 10th Battalion. That's right, that's right. Um, at the time, he was commanding, uh, I believe it was 2-2 out there at uh, FOB Loyalty uh, and over there in East Baghdad. And uh, at the time, Colonel Bannister was always, so we, I was in 1ID, but we, we worked for him. Yeah. So 216 Infantry, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Kozlerich, we were sliced to 2-2, working for Colonel Bannister. And uh, Colonel Bannister was would always just battlefield circulation. He, I mean, I don't even, I mean, he wasn't my raider. I mean, I knew him from the past. Um, but he was always coming by the cop just to see how we were doing and talk to me about the battle space and get my perspective. I didn't really get it at the time. But looking back on what the brigade commander was doing, he was getting a feel for me of how the battlefield was. And it, it, and it, you know, as I as I thought about this, you know, writing this paper and just fighting in our land for 14 days, it's like, man, that's what Colonel Bannister was doing. He wasn't coming to just hang out, and you know, he'd always start off like <laughs> right. talking about all the cattle. Like, these are Texas. He's like, hey, so all the cattle up there, you know, I gotta, you know, all the, you know, they had the horns and whatnot. And uh, but he was, he was getting a feel for me. And then the second thing, you talked about presence, and I talk about this with commanders, and just leaders in general. Um, you, know, you know, back in, at Bragg, you know, I say there's, there's three things, you know, communication, influence, and presence. Probably by the time this airs, it'll be Liberty. Thank you. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll be Liberty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We got less than a month. It'll be Fort Liberty. Um, but yeah, communication, influence, and presence. And, you know, really in the unpacking that, you know, over communication and, and then with your higher headquarters and also communicating effectively with your, your subordinates. And then influence, a fancy way of saying leadership, how are you influencing your formation and presence? Not just like, hey, yeah, you're there, but like, are you there? Are you, are you actually going to that formation? And I can look and, you know, hey, I know Matt Hartman. You know, he's got two 14-year-old kids. You know, they're, they're, you, know, it, you know what makes him or her tick, and then you can, you can motivate that person. You're, you're present and you're influencing and you're communicating effectively. So, so you know, it's funny you bring up uh, kind of memories of it being role modeled well. Uh, former Panther 6, uh, when I was a company commander, I wasn't even fighting for the Panthers, was attached to the 1st Brigade, uh, but Colonel uh, Jeff Smith uh, retired as a major general, a you know, great leader. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and I remember very vividly, um, you know, him putting his arm around me after I had three, you know, casualties mm -hmm. a rough day and just like, hey, we're going to learn from it and we're going to get after it and, yeah. and get it done. And, uh, and it, it does matter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I thought, you know, I thought you did it very well in a very structured way um, that absolutely extended influence in the formation. And, um, you know, I appreciated the way that you, you practiced it in a rigorous way um, and iterated on how to improve it throughout because uh, I think it made a difference. I think that was one of the things that really kind of stood out. All right. And then the last one, and this is great. Uh, you know, risk and opportunity. This is something that one of your peers uh, in the Devils, Teddy Kleiser, and I spent a ton of time talking about. Risk and opportunity. So how, how did that, for you, how did your views on that form here um, and change? It, well, it starts with, with commander commander dialogue and, and them, you know, telling me, hey, I'm, on, I'm at, you know, whatever, I'm in Bouchon, and this is how, this is the risk I see if I attack, but also here's the opportunity if we do that, clearly articulating that and framing it, okay, visualization-wise, hey, here's what I see. Okay, great. And then let's tie that to the big picture. And then now, me getting that information and then passing it up to the division. 
So I think it's it's it goes it's a it's a branch with it. Um, it ties to the communication with you know higher headquarters, whether it's the 82nd or the 21st. Um, can, that that continued dialogue, you know, in the fight, out of the fight. Hey, sir, here's what I see. What's going on right now in our battle space? That constant communication. And so you know, risk opportunity, but you know, I can't get that. We can't get that from you know the battle captain or the, yeah. that battle NCO. They're great people. But I need to talk to that commander because he or she has a completely different perspective based off their experience and their knowledge than what that great officer NCO is doing there on the desk. And they sure, you know, we had 10 casualties, roger that, that's it. Okay, what does that really mean? You know, tell me some more. You know, effectively communicating that across the format, you know, to me, so therefore we can pass it up to the higher headquarters so now it can help influence and impact the division commander's intent. Um, but I think it's really important, you know, identifying that risk and then hey hey there's risk but also i see an opportunity you know if we exploit you know this you know so it's funny you bring it up and and this is uh when when i sat down with geronimo six when i took command of operations group and based on my experience as a being out at the national training center and then having fought here as a brigade commander in 2021 um you know i i asked for his help in the way Geronimo fights, um, to to make it to make it more clear, the opportunities of, of risk and opportunity, and to drive drive towards that maneuver warfare mm -hmm. as we do combined arms maneuver, and you know number one was like no more you know ISIS zombie apocalypse right. at low water five right like that's a thinking enemy is not going to die in place is not going to send waves of. Geronimo at the enemy and then go back and get rekeyed and do mm -hmm. it again. And you know, so he has very clear engagement, disengagement criteria, and he has very clear purpose from the 11th DTG commander of, of why he's doing what he's doing. And so, you know, Geronimo produces a, um, their own DSM and does all of this. And so any time that he's, uh, he's strong somewhere, it means he's weak somewhere else. Mm. Um, and, and there's, that means there's opportunity there. Uh, and then, you know, he has a, a pretty built-in point at which he'll, he'll retrograde combat power. I mean, there's, there's very few places that he'll stand and fight to last. And if he's doing that, it's for a very explicit purpose. Um, but he usually has a disengagement criteria. Um, you know, what's neat is, is when uh, units unlock that, they see that, and they're like, okay, if I maneuver to a position advantage, I cut off his ground lines of communication, that's going to force him to display. So that's going to force him to do these things. And, um, you know, because I think that's the real, to what you're driving out with commander-commander dialogue and assessments is we've got to be able to see where there's opportunity. And we've got to understand, you know, where there's real risk, not just to our own formation, but one and two levels above us. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I think that your commitment to commander's assessments helped you right. frame risk and opportunity for your subordinates, but also really for the 21st Airborne Division fighting, you know, with adjacent brigade commanders. So, um, yeah, I think this, and this is what this has got to all be about at the yeah. battalion commander level and above is thinking about the risk and opportunity and it's, we may, you know, we may take casualties seizing this, you know, terrain feature or defeating the enemy at this place, but that risk is worth it because of the opportunity it creates for the brigade and mm -hmm. the division going forward. And and that's hard. That's a hard transition in, uh, from from I think what we've been doing the last 15, 20 years. Absolutely. 
an area where we can't assume risk, it's in the planning process. And, and one, one of the biggest takeaways from, uh, from the last 14 days is my role in the, uh, the commander's role in the planning process. You know, it's not on the co-ops floor with the with a you know map board or ATAC in front of you, it's in the back, you know, with the foo ops, with the planners, and yeah. not just a maneuver planner, but all warfighting functions back there, thinking about what's next. Sure, we plan the you know the airborne assault, the the JFE Alpha onto you know Objective Galaxy, but okay, once we're done with that, it's not time to you know, okay, that's it, let's go take a nap. Negative, let's start thinking about the defense. Let's start, let's get ahead of it. So driving the planning process, you know, staying out in front and thinking about time, you know, it's, it's risk again. If, if, if we plan up to the 82%, you know, maybe that's, uh, we're, we're taking away now from the companies and the battalions. So, but being in the future ops, you know, the plans tent, you know, continue to drive that planning process is, is critical. Yeah, I, you know, and we had some great discussions with All American Six, you know, and, and he, he talked about, hey, commanders, if you understand, want to understand what your timeline is, it's the MDMP process. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's that timeline. And it's, um, you know, as an Army, we teach this from, from really a, a pretty junior age. And, and I, for one of the surprises I have is how many commanders think that, like, well, yeah, I mean, I understand that we're supposed to do MDMP, but I'm not going to. Um, and, you know, it's an inherently collaborative process. It, if we do confirmation briefs, mm -hmm. if we do back briefs, if, if we issue warning orders, if we do battlefield circulation, it's an inherently collaborative process. Uh, it's just a collaborative process that's very disciplined. And, um, you know, it was interesting watching as there were battalions that used the time that the brigade gave, because I thought the brigade did a pretty good job of staying on that timeline, staying consistent with adhering to the process. Um, yeah, how many reps did y'all get before coming in? Nine. Nine, right? And I think, you know, you heard me say, I think it takes 10 mm -hmm. before you're really good at this. Mm -hmm. We get, we'll get faster when we do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the only way you get faster running is by running intervals. Right. You got to do it. I wish there was a faster way, but right. there's not. Um, but the organizations that skip it or that think that they're going to jump right to RDSP, yeah. they just spin their wheels. That's right. Um, and you know, RDSP has a place. It's it's for when we encounter a decision that we we didn't have in our military decision making process, but we have the foundation because we've done MDMP. Um, and I, I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I thought your brigade had a very mature view about the process. Um, I loved that your field grades were awesome. Uh, you know, part of what I really liked about them is they knew they weren't doing it as well as they needed to or as fast as they needed to, but that they trusted if they just kept doing it, they would get better at it, the right. team would get better at mm -hmm. it, and they would get faster at it. And that, like, brought to be true. I mean, I, you just, I didn't see any of, like, the frustration of, well, we can't do it this way, let's just do it on the back of a napkin and hope for the best. Right. Um, you know, and I, I think that goes back to, like, your humility mm -hmm. um, that permeates down. Um, okay, what surprised you here? My biggest surprise was the uh, fires. I mean, just yeah. the, the, the importance of fires and massing it and understanding, okay, 
it's a it's a big difference of shooting. Okay, I'm going to shoot this target with 120s or 81s versus massing with field artillery. Yeah, massing with 96 rounds of HE, and ver and then versus okay, I'm just going to shoot mortars at it. And then with that with that 96 rounds of HE, it goes back to one of our comments in there in the AR. It's not a it's not a you know a, 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 an FO on the radio. It's a digital fire mission, yeah. so it can just boom. You're just going and you're just going. But those 96 rounds. And, and it took us a minute. It took us a minute. It did. When we got there, from training day seven to training day ten, and we got pretty good mm -hmm. at digital fires, and we massed digital fires. We prioritized a handful of targets, and we massed. We killed 200. We killed more people in three days than we did in the previous seven days. That's right. 266 EKIA. Um, and when we got to objective Subaru, Sugar Gordon, we really didn't have much of a fight. Mm -hmm. Right. We had a pretty good fight getting there. Right. But we had brought so much HE to bear that it really was not that bad on the objective based on suppression and obscuration. And, and I think also with that, the importance of emphasizing the security and the movement, the, the, the uh, displacement of the guns, yeah. especially the triple seven. So it ties to <laughs> protection. I mean, that's, that's our most casualty producing weapon system. And we got we to gotta hide that thing. You know, we're, it's so protection wise. Right. And then, you know. The triple sevens are like the Steph Curry of uh, the other day. <laughs> and Geronimo right. is going to foul Steph Curry oh, yeah. all day long. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I'm a Davidson grad, so I going to talk about <laughs> stuff. Right? I mean, that's it. I mean, like, you heard Geronimo the AR. Like, they'll spare no expense, yeah, right? They those said, guns. Dismounted reconnaissance, small UAS, yeah, that's large right. UAS. Uh, yeah, and they're they're gonna come. They're gonna burn, they're gonna throw the kitchen sink at it. Absolutely. Um, and then you know at live fire when we went up to the pursuit, you guys really I think got the varsity level with fires. Um, uh, great tech rehearsal, uh, great combined arms rehearsal, and and digital fires let us be on time, accurate, and at mm -hmm. your point, we didn't skip a single target. So it was pretty awesome. Okay, um, what what's the you know, we, you you know, kind of surprised by that. What did you you know by practice? What do you think that you you learned, like truly learned, um, not just like oh I got to be better at that, but we're actually put into practice and get better at as a commander or as the brigade. As a brigade, I think we need to uh, continue to refine and get better at. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go two things here. Number one. Um, our rehearsals. I think we're good at our rehearsals, but I want to continue to refine that and get better. I felt good going into uh, Panther, Lion, and Tiger up north of the yeah. pursuit. I felt good. That was great. I felt good. Oh. <laughs> like, I felt, I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, I was like, man, I feel really good right now. You know, the, the second rehearsal y'all did, um, well, but the, it really it was an execution. I mean, I, it was so smooth on Friday morning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, watching that second rehearsal, I was sitting there with uh, uh, the, the BC2 team, the brigade, and we sat back and I mean, you guys were like, you know, you guys were in flow. I mean, it was, it, you guys were rehearsing with flow, the communication, the understanding of what we were doing, mm -hmm. actually synchronizing. Um, and then seeing the friction with it too. Right. And identifying that friction. Like, wait, whoa, whoa, hold on. You wait. Now, okay, you go. All right, fires. And then, okay, now you, you can go over here. 
but seeing that but, friction. Hey, was two dragons not uncomfortable? It was. That was extreme. The first rep, I was like, whoa. But then where we went, where we got to on Friday, I was like, wow, this is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I was back at practice, you know, you know, 20 yeah. years ago, with coach, you know, setting down, you know, down screens and ball screens and whatnot. But, you know, the walkthrough to where we were at on Friday felt very, I mean, it, it was great. Um, and then the other thing, I'll, I'll, my, my biggest takeaways is from a training perspective, training management and wise, when we talked about this, and it's we, we talked about it the other day as well with the I talked about it with the battalion commanders, we can't sit back at OP thirteen and just have the gun shoot static. They can't just be there. The OP, okay, no, you know, this is a gravel pad. I'm shooting. It's no big deal. Negative. That's unrealistic. When we talk about Lisco, they're not going to be able to stay in that position. If they do, they're going to die. So, sure, they shoot a battery ten or whatever the case may be. They displace, and then and then the next guns are shooting. So finding that terrain, I, I just use OP thirteen because I'm thinking yeah, of, yeah. of you know, live <laughs> fires, right? But you know, magical place that it is. Magical <laughs> place that OP thirteen is, right, right. Um, but there's there's alternate firing points that we've got to find and resource. So therefore, the guns are moving. You know, they're facing counter fire. We're putting more of a challenge and stress on the yeah, batteries. Yeah, and you know, so to translate down to like the the company commander level, it's the it's the weapon squad live fire where we don't just walk into, we don't walk in a file into the support by fire, but we force ourselves to actually fight our way into a support by fire, right? And I think it's the same thing mm -hmm. you know, when you talk, you know, field artillery, it's the, hey, we're going to go somewhere where we're actually going to have to secure ourselves and then have a plan to transition within that PAA to a new firing point mm -hmm. uh, and fight that way all the time, including, you know, when doing gunnery uh, back to the rehearsals just so everybody has some context you know you guys actually went out on the terrain model and you practiced you know versus to back brief you guys went out and actually maneuvered the units on the terrain model right. in real time mm -hmm. like you were doing it and so um, super uncomfortable the first time a little bit chaotic some framing up front of hey this is how we visualize the fight from the friendly enemy side and then we got everybody on the train model, and it was like Alpha Company, I'm crossing phase on red, I call Kilo Alpha 0065, and then the battery commander calling it. Boom, right. And so that was uncomfortable, but the thing that you guys, you know, two things. So one, we did it off our warfighting products. Right. And then two, we kept practicing until we knew how to practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously paid off with huge success and a ton of fun. All right, uh, what, what advice are you going to give out of this? I mean, what advice, you know, first, let's start at the, at the lower level. What advice would you give company commanders as they're training their formations for LISCO? It's, it's, it's challenging. Um, it's challenging, but it's, we can be successful if we focus on the fundamentals. If we focus on, you know, we, we brought up in our AAR, hey, at a security hall, we had great security, we had, you know, Paratroopers were in fighting positions, ready to go. And what happened? We destroyed the enemy with artillery and AT weapon systems before they could even, you know, it was obviously at a distance. But it was great because we had OPs out, we're doing counter reconnaissance, but it's, it's the fundamentals. Right. And, and we say this, it sounds like, well, of course, no. I mean, no. the units stopped. The first thing they did, they dismounted. It was a cav, a cav element. Mm -hmm. They dismount. Mm -hmm. They, they push out, actually secure themselves, and then they started to put out reconnaissance patrols because they were at the hall. Mm -hmm. They identified Geronimo first, 
and then they were able to report that, rapidly maneuver, and defeat the enemy. Right. But most units kind of don't do that. They don't do that. They just halt. And so unit, to your point, doing the fundamentals, they work. Right, they <laughs> we work. just got to do them. And then Charlie Troop, yeah. you know, the use of the Kraken, and then identifying where the enemy's at with a small UAV, or US, US excuse me, and then calling for fire on that position. I mean, great TTP from our Charlie Troop. Um, yeah, units that lead with small UAS, whether it was in force on force or live fire, they're making contact with a sensor, and 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 that in that case with C Troop, they did it twice. Sigint queued small UAS. Bunch of indirect fire equals dead enemy. Dead enemy. And everybody's you know cracks open an MRE. Uh, <laughs> right. We're not doing a bunch of Kazvac on the friendly side. Right. So awesome. Yeah. All right. What about battalion commanders? Battalion commanders, um, my, my big thing for them is really is looking at these five points um, and how that influences their training path and what they need to do. Additionally, it's the, you know, we didn't really talk about it. Um, it's, in, it's in here in the paper, but that their main command post, it's got to be small. I mean, the division has a standard. So we're going to follow what the, com the division commander put we're out. Gonna, we're going to go all old school and do what the commander told us and do to what do. The boss, <laughs> and do what the boss told us to do. Roger, yes, sir. But it works, though. And if we're doing it, it's small and it's agile, it's flexible, and then finding the proper terrain, and this goes back to the companies as well, you're not going to walk on the road. The road's lava. Um, you're, Geronimo's, you're going to get found and you're going to die. Get off in the wood line. So one of the sustains for the, for the brigade is, is finding restricted terrain that you're putting the main command post in and you're we're following division guidance and that thing is broken down you know at the battalion level it can be broken down in less than i would say less than what five minutes and 34 seconds right um the brigade it's a little bit different but working that battle drill and it's not on a pad maybe it's on a pad up front so you can right. kind of understand right. okay guys this is who's the, doing what yeah that's like the equivalent of the squad doing the battle drill on a grassy open field right like we do it a hundred times there so everybody can visualize it get it right and then you go across the street to area j right. and then you go up to you go keep going west to gruber but the uh but you know finding that to first off here's what it looks like okay it's a small package and then breaking it down repeatedly and then finding that terrain uh, so therefore they can see, because a battalion commander who's walking behind the lead company with his TSM on his back is nothing more than a big company commander. Right. I need somebody who's, okay, hey, again, goes back to risk first opportunity and communicating that to me, so therefore I can communicate it up to 21st or 82nd and say, all right, I understand what 1P's doing based off what the commander's, our dialogue we just had. So one of the things that came out, you know, with the, the, the mobile uh, or the uh, main command post, and I think that this, you know, the, it's it scales it with other things, and, and it is generational, and it's I think it has to do with um, some of, somewhat the way we fought in in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, you know, is it, like we can't be shooter preference, and we we certainly can't be shooter preference with command and control. Right, and um, you know. The division put a bunch of thought into what a battalion main command post should look like, and then we just kind of need everybody to do it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean it's perfect, but it means if, if we have nine infantry battalions that are all doing it the same way, we're far more likely collectively to figure out what the best answer is going forward, right? Versus all of us doing it a different way. It's very hard to identify what works and what doesn't work. Right. But with the way our main command post, they're 82% where they need to be, 
we're, we're probably going to get better faster together. Mm -hmm. And I, there's a humility, I think, that comes with, okay, like, hey, somebody that's done this a lot more than me says that this is how my map board ought to be set up as a company commander. Maybe I should just set my map board up that way. And then when every company commander does it that way, we come together, you know, twice a year and we say, hey, we should make this adjustment to it. Well, then we're actually making an adjustment that matters right, right. Uh, going forward. And I think, you know, I think that's, you know, my my counsel to folks is you really got to look at the things that should be standardized. Mm -hmm. And most things probably ought to be standardized. Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to train, it's easier to resource, and it's a ton easier to inspect. Yeah. And then it's easier to identify fixes that we need going forward and kind of all move together. But sort of the days of like big experimentation kind of have to be over. Yeah. Like we got to move together. Got to move together. Absolutely. All right. Um, and before I give you kind of the last word, um, you know, who, who, sh who should, you're a brigade commander, you're the mighty Panther Six, who, who's kind of shaped you the most in your career up to this point? I've, I've been fortunate. I've had some tremendous, tremendous leaders and, and commanders. And um, not, to get, not to be, you know, brownie points, but I've known Joe Lanie for a long time. He was, I met him when he was the uh, cog here. Yeah. And I was. Uh, Same. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. He, uh, so, so this goes twofold. So my boss at that time, Lieutenant General Retired Mike Tucker, learned a ton from an armor officer. And, and he, he yeah, was. We, a, we can say nice things about armor we officers. We can, right, 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 right. He's a nice guy. Um, I learned a ton from him as far as, you know, a fire and maneuver. And, he, and I remember he would have these, he had, you know, remember the flight crew check, those yeah. flight crew books? He had one of those, and actually I, I copied it, word for him. He had a ton of stuff, I made copies of it all. But just how he would fight his armor formation, you know, and I mean, he's, you know, he was a Desert Storm guy. I mean, he's been, he came in the Army in 1979, the year. So he had a ton of experience, learned from him. So him, and then I come out here, I meet General Leneve, or Colonel Leneve at the time. He wanted to be my DCGO when I was Red Devil 6 and now All-American 6, so I'm still, you know, picking picking his brain for things, and you know, hey, sir, does this make sense? So, uh, just you know, those, those two of them. I've I've, I've been fortunate, like I said, I've had a ton of great leaders throughout my career that I, I'll call up. You know, I, I spoke with Jerome Beagle um, before I came down here, and just you know, kind of throwing some things out of him and just getting his perspective. And uh, and, and you know, he always what I, what I love about him and Gerald Eve and and all these senior leaders is they always make time. Uh, I always make time uh, for for us, you know, for me, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, hey, sure, you got a minute to talk. And next thing you know, we're on the phone for ninety minutes. You know, it's just, it's, you know, sure, we're talking about family. Hey, when you see how busy, that, like, right. especially like, you know, Joe right. Beagle is he's, like, he's a busy guy. Right. You know, he's a busy guy. Yeah. You know, it's um, pretty humble. It's, it's pretty humble. You know, taking you know an, an hour out of his day or, or his weekend to spend some time talking with me. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've been really fortunate just to be able to. Get guys like John Beagle, John Leneve, you know, John Tucker. Now he's retired, but I still keep in contact with him, um, and just just picking their brain. And uh, and the last one I'll throw at you, um, like knowing him since I was a lieutenant, <clears throat> and almost every job I've gone into, you know, from but at the start of being an HHCXL Second Ranger time, he's given me guidance on the positions, general work. Um, yeah. So general work is from when I went into brigade command. Um, you know, not too long ago we spoke on the phone and just, you know, we just, we, we maintain the dialogue and just, hey, sir, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? Eh, you know, you're, you may want to tighten this up a little bit or, yep, you're spot on. 
but giving that candid feedback like he always does, which is great. Right. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> you know he, was, uh, he was the Bravo company commander in 1st of the 23rd when I was the Alpha Company XO. And, um, and likewise, I've been fortunate to, to get, uh, and no Joel Tucker, but I've been fortunate enough to get mentorship from all three that, that you described. And you know, I think for folks like us, I mean, so is what we talked about in the Mission Command uh, AR with Joel and Eve, is it the responsibility that we all have as stewards of the profession to continue to mentor and, Absolutely. and to make that time? That's right. Right, and you know the company commander may not think that they're that person, but they are. Mm -hmm. They're that person for a lieutenant. They're that person for a staff sergeant. They're that person for a PFC. Right. Um, that just you know that we all need somebody to to take some time to look out for us and give us the the sometimes the the tough feedback. Uh, but feedback nonetheless to help us and, grow. And then that'll be, and then when they're in our seat, they're doing the same thing for that, you know, right. come here there, company troop battery commander, let's yeah. let's go talk real quick, you know, about whatever. Yeah. Um, paying it forward. Paying it forward, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, um, a former All-American 6, John Nicholson, was my battalion commander, and I remember um, working a catwalk one night at a live fire, and uh, he's, he sent his driver home and he stayed and worked the, the catwalk with me and another lieutenant. And um, you know, he, he, he gave you know gave me like two hours of really good mentorship that always stuck with me. And, and later, I, I remember you know just telling him thank you. He's like, hey man, no problem. You just got to pay it forward. And mm -hmm. I've I've tried to live up to that yeah. you know throughout my my army career. And uh, yeah, right on. All right, uh, what questions do you have? Do you have any questions for me? And then I'm gonna let you have the closing words. Those five things I listed, what would be the one thing that you, out of your 27, I believe, rotations, yeah. this is going to be a hard question, what is, the, what is the one thing you would tell a BCT commander coming into rotation, what's the one thing you would say, hey, when you're coming down here fighting the Lisco fight, all right, you need to do what? So, uh, you know, 19 here, or 19 at National Training Center, uh, and, then, and then eight here, you know, I... I think the biggest is you got to come here with the mindset and you got to get it in your formation that you're going to war. Mm. And um, because otherwise, I don't think you're getting the most out of this. And um, this is the last training event that you're going to get before you go to war. And you have to believe that. And if you believe that in your heart that this is it and you treat it like you're going to war and you, you fight like it's existential that the nation depends on you on winning uh and that your soldiers depend on you to win um then you'll then you'll do the things that you need to do you won't make any excuses and you won't you know whatever challenges you have with man whatever interrupted your training whatever piece of equipment that you think you ought to have that you don't have you're going to come here and you're going to fight and win because Geronimo doesn't care and the enemies of America don't care mm -hmm. of any of those things. And, um, you know, I, frankly, I think um, I do. I think Geronimo is better than anybody that we're going to fight in the world. And I, I want, um, you know, I wanted to come here and win. And I, and I did. Uh, but it wasn't for a lack of punching really, really hard every single damn day. And I think, you know, you are what you do. And if that's your habit, you're going to come out of here. You're going to be a lot better, a lot um, more efficient than you realize uh, coming out of here. If you come 
here to win. Mm -hmm. And if that's the mindset, if that's ingrained in the formation, you're gonna, the, the organization's gonna learn. You know, you and I both played sports, and I mean, I'll, you know, if it's legal, ethical, and moral, I'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, and you know, we've both seen a lot of combat. I, I will do whatever it takes to win in combat. If it's legal, ethical, moral, I'm gonna do it. Uh, I, I am gonna absolutely um, put it all out there uh, to win. I mean, I, I, I hate losing so much. I hate it. Um, I think I've matured in that over time to, to do it more gracefully. Uh, but I want to win. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, ask my kids. Like, I don't let them win at board games. No, no way. Um, no and, way. you know, they're tougher because of it. And when they beat me, I don't like it. But they take way more pride in it uh, yeah. because they know they earned it. And when units come down here and win, they absolutely know they earned every single bit of it. Um, and I think there's a lot of learning from that, too, of learning how to win. Because uh, I think it gets to seeing risk and seeing opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and then... You know, I, I mean, I think that that mentality and that mindset's important. Like, we're not handing out trophies right. in our profession. Um, you know, and so I, I think we got we very much have to have a, a mindset that this is about winning, because there's a seriousness that comes with this, and we know the cost. I mean, but we have people that have never experienced combat before, uh, and that's going to become more and more and more mm -hmm. and more common. Mm -hmm. We know the cost of combat. Um, and th this is for keeps. And, you know, I, I uh, uh, sadly, but also fortunately, was able to bring a Panther uh, Gold Star um, spouse around and, you know, not lost on me that, that this is, um, you know, what we do is, is for keeps, mm -hmm. is forever uh, going forward. And so, yeah, I think that's the number one thing that I, I would want, you know, commanders coming down here to take away. Yeah. All right, great. you get the final word. This is a great, great environment. Um, and it's uh, <clears throat> coming down here, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna learn, you're gonna fight, um, you're gonna grow as a formation. And, and this uh, the experience at the Joint Readiness Training Center is, it's, it's great. I'm a, I am a believer, I'm a fan. Um, and this is, uh, our formation is better based off of LTP back in February, our outload from Fort, soon to be Fort Liberty, our 14 days in Arlen and our outload right now. This is <clears throat> making us prepare for our state ground combat. Uh, so this is uh, this was a great experience, and um, I'm frankly I, I kind of you know I'm, I'm going to say this, but like I I, I want to do it again. I want to go yeah. back to the box and like I want to I want to I want to rework some of those lessons learned to, to to get after Geronimo again or you know the Tarikans. Um but you know, it's a great opportunity, it's a great environment um, to hone our profession from, again, from LTP to everything you know, we just did. This, this is a, it's excellent. And uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a fan, and uh, this, was, this was great. Our, our formation is, is better. Um, and we, we are, we're on our way. I mean, come 7th of July, you know, we gotta be ready to answer the nation's call. And uh, I believe we're ready. Amen. Thank you for joining us on The Crucible, the JRTC experience. The Joint Readiness Training Center is the premier crucible training experience. We prepare units to fight and win in the most complex environments against world-class opposing forces. We are America's leadership laboratory.
Again, we'd like to thank our guests for participating. This podcast was created and produced by Mr. John Mabes. It was recorded and edited by Chief Thomas Rich and researched by First Lieutenant Anthony Cho. Intro vocals were done by Mr. Robert Chopper. Special thanks to Captain Jermaine Branch and Mr. Jeff England from Public Affairs. Be sure to like and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest warfighting TTPs learned through the crucible that is the Joint Readiness Training Center. Follow us by going to https colon forward slash forward slash l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash j-r-t-c. We'd like to thank our partners at the Center for Army Lessons Learned of the Combined Arms Center, especially the JRTC Call Observations Detachment. Be sure to follow them on social media as well. Follow them at https colon forward slash forward slash www.army.mil forward slash C-A-L-L. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review us wherever you listen or watch your podcasts, and be sure to stay tuned for more in the near future. The Crucible, the JRTC Experience, is a product of the Joint Readiness Training Center.